Oil has been washing up on Southern California beaches all week. This earthquake reminds us yet once again that in California, we have to be prepared for anything and everything. So many disasters, so little time. And it's the same group of people fighting them year round for years. So when they get tired, uh, what happens? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Monday, July 18th, 2022. Today, burnout. It's real. America has seen a great resignation of millions since the start of COVID-19. And we can snicker all we want when it's office workers or baristas or other white-collar folks ditching a job for hashtag van life. But how about when it's firefighters, scientists, doctors, the people we entrust with the worst of the worst that Mother Nature throws at us and that we humans keep making worse and worse? It's times like these where we fall back on our monthly panel of peril, my colleagues of catastrophe, these Renoirs of Ragnarok, who try to give us solace in these very, very dark and hot times. Yup, it's time for our Masters of Disaster. Musica maestro. In the wildfire chair, we have Alex Wigglesworth. Alex, when you see people burning firewood for barbecues, what do you do? Make s'mores. <laughs> Gosh, that very something. Covering earthquakes is Ron Lynn. Any chance, Ron, that you could put a giant N95,000 mask on the San Andreas Fault so the big one ever happens? Yeah, we just need some big rubber bands. Okay, okay, good to know. I'll be on that. <laughs> and finally, our Cassandra of the Coast, Rosanna Shaw. I heard that in addition to being declared an honorary turn this year, you now have a superpower. What is it? Gustavo, I hate to break it to you, but I think you've already made this joke before. Did I? Your jokes are like a starfish. No matter how many times a leg gets cut off, it just grows back. Or maybe it's just my bad jokes that happen. That must be regenerative jokes. That's what Rosanna got. Welcome all. Alex, let's start with you. I want to ask about these viral resignation letters going around from Forest Service firefighters. What do they say? Yeah, so I recently wrote about a resignation letter written by a really accomplished, experienced Forest Service firefighter and was widely shared within the agency and externally because it gave voice to a lot of frustrations that many federal firefighters share right now. The firefighter Chris Mariano was the squad boss of the Truckee Interagency Hotshot Crew, which is a really elite unit. He wrote that he's seen wildfires grow more dangerous and destructive, but that the Forest Service isn't giving firefighters more resources to deal with them. The pay is low, the working conditions are grueling, there's a ton of trauma and stress. Mariano wrote that he really feels that the Forest Service is failing its firefighters. And he said the result is that there's a dire retention issue that people are leaving at what he called a terrifying rate. That means there's even more work to be divided up among the firefighters who are left, which has helped create a real morale crisis. And this fits with what I've heard from other sources within the Forest Service. I've been told that California is only about 62% staffed going into this year's fire season, that about 34% of engines in California are on five-day staffing, meaning there aren't enough crew members to run them seven days a week, and then another 13% are downstaffed, meaning they're effectively parked because there aren't enough people to run them at all. I'm also hearing that many of the firefighters quitting are mid-career professionals whose expertise is really needed to fight increasingly complex fires. Rosanna, 
coastal erosion, rising sea levels, devastated ecosystems. They're like incremental catastrophe. And we've gotten better at getting people to care. And yet Mother Nature continues and people don't seem to care enough. So the scientists that you talk to on the coast, do they feel like they're in the movie Don't Look Up and they're screaming at waves like Leo and J-Law for people to pay attention to no avail? I mean, I agree that a lot more people are starting to care about climate change. It's hard not to when drought and wildfires have become so in your face and our firefighters are tapping out. But what I have noticed in California is that the debate isn't whether climate change is happening, it's how much time we have. Is this something that we have to deal with now or can we continue business as usual and not worry about this for another 50, 60, 70 years? And the void that most scientists and environmentalists are screaming into right now is getting more people to realize that we are running out of time to argue about when is the right time to take action. There's a lot of talking in circles right now, and we are running out of time to plan and argue and think about thinking about what the solution should be. So for the scientists and engineers who see the facts so clearly, the political and social aspects of climate change can be exhausting. Yeah, I mean, because with firefighters, you're fighting fires right there that could kill you immediately. And there's a lot of labor. But sometimes that existential and moral and political way is even more crushing in many ways. Yeah. And it's really hard to communicate. And I say this, too, as a reporter in this space. But I will say the science communication has gotten a lot better. And as scientists have become more open about talking about their own frustrations it has created more of a community around this, which has been really powerful to see, especially when scientists get personal about the issues that they are studying. I think a lot of parents I've talked to, the way they talk about how they are wrestling with what kind of world we're leaving behind for our children, I think has really also added depth to this conversation. Ron, you're Mr. Earthquake, but Bizarro Ron is Mr. COVID. And our colleagues have done many, many stories about fatigue about, among frontline workers who have been working to fight the pandemic now, what, two and a half years and going? And now more variants are more contagious and more, more, more. How burnt out are they about shouting into that anti-vaccine void and dealing with surge after surge? Yeah, it's an incredible strain. And, you know, there have been plenty of nurses and other healthcare providers who have just said, you know what, it's too much, I'm out. It's a real strain. I mean, this was also an issue even before COVID, but COVID has dramatically worsened it. In fact, the Surgeon General actually issued a whole advisory addressing health worker burnout. And one of the things that the Surgeon General said was that fear, loneliness, and uncertainty were pervasive. The threat of targeted harassment and violence underscored many interactions. And some health workers were forced to wall themselves off from their loved ones. It is a difficult time, not only in, in the healthcare industry, but also even among uh, veterinarians as well. If we don't have nurses and doctors anymore, uh, how do we fight COVID? Do we fight it with Vicks VapoRub? <laughs> I mean, you know, what if it comes down to that? In fact, there have been studies that in which they expect that by the year 2033, there could be a shortage of 100,000 physicians by then. And health officials warn that the most alarming gaps are expected in primary care and rural communities. So the result could just be that it's just harder to find a doctor. I mean, I'm sure many of you have had a situation where we need medical care and, and the wait to get an appointment is long. And it's not a good situation. Officials really need to figure out a way to kind of address healthcare worker burnout. Otherwise, it's just going to get harder and harder to get the medical care that we need. Tijuana Care, here we come. We'll be right back. 
We've talked on Masters of Disasters many times about how California and really the West used to have disaster seasons. There was wildfire season, then the rainy season. There'd be spills on the coast or sick animals wash ashore, big earthquakes every couple of decades. But now it's year-round. And so when disaster is a year-round thing, Rosanna, how does our thinking change? And how does really our life outlook change? One thing that I see a lot of in the climate space, and, and this is related to burnout, is grief. Climate grief is something we talk a lot about in the climate space. How do you maintain hope when so much of the science about the future fills us with despair? And not to get too philosophical, but hope, the opposite of despair, is what leads to action. And I would argue that to still have hope is a form of action. So one way I've been trying to cope is to make sure that there is still hope in the stories that we write about the long-term and the short-term future, both in which we really have had trouble envisioning. And I also try to ask the people I interview to remind me and our readers and to remind themselves what still gives them hope, because that really is what we need to wrestle with just so many emotions about the future. Yeah, and it's really hard, Alex, for firefighters because they're a very proud profession. I mean, they're elite. They call themselves hotshots. Like, that shows how much they care about themselves. But when you're fighting this every single month, it seems, all across the West and bigger and bigger fires, surely it must change. Like, it must dissuade, I would think, like younger people from wanting to be firefighters. Yeah, definitely. And that's something the sources have told me that on top of the retention problem, there's also a recruitment problem. Word gets around that it's a dangerous job and some entry level positions at Target pay more than starting forest service salaries. I spoke with one rookie forest service firefighter who was discouraged from continuing in the profession by colleagues who had worked there for a long time who told him to get out while you're still young because you're going to be away from your family for weeks at a time fighting these fires. The work is getting harder. Housing is an issue. And there are also issues with healthcare. Right now, Forest Service firefighters, in order to get coverage for certain chronic diseases like cancers, they have to prove that the disease came from their employment. And most municipal and state firefighters have presumptive coverage, where it's assumed that if they get like lung cancer, that that was the result of firefighting. So what can be done about all this burnout? Ron, is it really as easy, especially when it comes to doctors and nurses and physicians, is it really as easy as just more time off for folks and better pay for them and just hiring more people? Yeah, I think that can be part of it. I think there's also structural issues. I mean, one of the things that I remember um, hearing about was in the pandemic era, everyone's probably gotten used to talking to their doctor or a nurse on the phone or maybe even messaging their doctor over the phone. But one of the things that's found out, as anyone who knows me knows, is that the doctors are also getting a flood of emails now. And it's just getting to the point where it's just a lot. And so how would a hospital system create systems in place so that it's not so burdensome? Maybe it's staffing up other ways to kind of help out situations where not everyone is kind of burdened. So it's kind of about thinking smarter and also thinking structurally about how do we make things in a way that puts the health of key workers first. I know structurally that's something that science, Rosanna, has been fighting uh, to fix for decades. Well, maybe not decades, maybe in the past couple of years with STEM programs and trying to diversify the people who are coastal scientists and all that. So is that what we need? We just need more nerds to be uh, inspired to join the ranks? <laughs> I mean, what Ron just said also made me think, like, 
I would be curious to hear what other folks think. But I think respect is important, too. To add to, like, the sense of hope, like, I have felt a really cool shift in energy lately within the science space. It is getting more diverse. There's more attention to the pipeline. But I think what I've really been drawn to is just seeing more and more scientists gathering in person again, in labs, at conferences, in classrooms, and just having the organic conversations that are so important to the spirit of discovery and just validating and empowering each other. I was recently at a workshop where more than 50 scientists got together to discuss this one problem that they were all trying to solve. And I had not seen something like this since pre-COVID. And they came from dozens of fields of science. There were grad students, there were principal investigators. And it was just so cool to hear them share what they knew from their corners of expertise and to build a world together and to hear the brainstorming in live time. You could feel the gears turning and all the science like actually at work. And it was super inspiring. And I think we lost that at some point in the pandemic and just this idea of reconnecting with each other and respecting each other and building off of each other and expressing gratitude. I love that. How about this hope? Robots. And for once, I'm not joking. Is there any talk of automation taking over, especially some of those more arduous tasks, uh, Ron and uh, Alex? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because Mariano, who wrote that resignation letter I talked about, one of his chief frustrations was that he'd been trying to bring more automation to the fire line in the form of drone technology that can be used to monitor and help map fires, to detect spot fires, and even to set controlled burns without having to have helicopter pilots make these risky, low-altitude flights. So he went through a lot of training to become an FAA-certified operator, but he found the Forest Service considered this work to be collateral duty, something he'd have to pursue on top of his job leading the hotshot crew for no additional pay. And that factored into his decision to quit, and now he's going to be working on drone technology in the private industry. So automation's great. There's a lot of demand for it in firefighting, but you still need people to strategize and develop that technology and train others in how to use it. And without adequate staffing, that's not possible. Ron, nurse robots, uh, Jetson style, are we there yet? Well, I mean, I think there are ways that you can use automation to really help things. Like when I was looking at medical records for myself, for my mom recently, I was just kind of amazed at how much information you can now get electronically. And the more information that you can get electronically, you can really bypass a lot of strain that you might get in terms of, you know, going to the doctor's office. And an in-person doctor's office is a lot more time-consuming than a telephone call. In fact, on a personal note, during the pandemic, I got shingles over the pandemic, but (laughs) based off of the the stress that I was feeling covering the pandemic, but uh, they were able to diagnose it on a screen. So (laughs) that's bad. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. This was like year one of the pandemic. So it's much better. It hasn't flared up since then, but you can still get shingles. You know, we can't do an episode about burnout and disasters without asking each of you, especially in light of Ron getting shingles out of stress. How are you folks doing? I'm doing okay. I went on shingles, notwithstanding. (laughs) (laughs) I went on vacation in um, in New England. That was a blast. You know, one of the things that I actually just read based off of this report on burnout in the healthcare industry is actually a quote that the Surgeon General heard from one of his like mentors, which was. Never stand when you can sit. Never sit when you can lay down. Never stay awake when you can sleep. And I thought that was just so great because I think for a lot of us, we feel like the current environment is work, 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 work. 
And like, it's so important that you center your life around health and wellness and enjoyment because that's why we live life and why we do work. We need to take that time to rest and make sure that there is a sense of joy in what we do. Alex, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I would say anybody dealing with burnout, my number one piece of advice would be to get a dog. I love spending time with my dog, Steve. Whenever I get upset, I have a difficult time working on a story. I just take a break and like hang out with him and it really helps. Also naps, a lot of naps. (laughs) Rosanna, how are you doing? I mean, the past few years have not been easy. I'd be lying if I said things have been fine, but I also didn't get shingles. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and I will say my survival tactic has been to ask Ron whenever I'm feeling down what he's been up to because he's always doing something delightfully unexpected that makes me laugh. Even getting shingles is delightfully unexpected and very Ron. You know, (laughs) or learning something super hilarious that like, Everyone else has known about for years, and Ron is just discovering for the first time, like, the fact that you're supposed to cut plastic six-pack rings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And you should always just try to ask Ron pop culture questions that will always make you happier. We need our masters perpetually healthy. We must keep them shingles-free. We will work towards that. We'll be back after this break. And as is our tradition with Masters of Disasters, after all the talk of doom and gloom, we have to end with joy. So, Ron, what is your joy? My joy has been seeing wildflowers and also seeing um, the mentions about jacarandas, which I will not get into. Jacarandas are evil (laughs) death trees of purple rain nuclear crap. Why don't you tell us how you really feel? (laughs) Okay, so wildflowers are always beautiful. Alex, what's bringing you joy? I've been feeling under the weather recently, so I would say what's been bringing me joy is actually like a lot of soup. I'm a big fan of soup. I've been eating a lot of soup, and it helps. And what's joyful for you right now, Rosanna? Well, just to stay on the theme of hope, I was talking to a journalism class yesterday, and there were so many students interested in climate change and they asked such good questions. It was really inspiring. So yes, we're talking about burnout and, you know, all these structural issues that we have to wrestle with. But, you know, the next generation really gives me so much hope and are truly an inspiration. Yeah, I usually don't offer joy, but I'll agree with you. Like talking to young reporters, they always bring folks joy because they remind us of why we do, especially in in genres as hard as what all of you do, Masters, like this is next generation and they're committed to that. So that's total joy. Absolutely. And that's it for our Masters of Disasters, our monthly series with our LA Times reporters of Ruin. Ron Lynn, Alex Wigglesworth, and Rosanna Shaw, thank you, Masters. Thank you. Thanks. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Shannon Lynn was a hef on this episode, and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. 
Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Madeline Amato and Carlos De Loera. Our intern is Surya Hendry. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shani Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Ethan. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccio Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Riano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this month. Gracias. <laughs>